The technocratic elite are bearing down on us with their digital ID and their global vaccine passports and their schemes and scams for manipulating us into the technological gulag. And I am thankful. Hey guys, James Corbett here, CorbettReport.com, with another edition of Solutions Watch. And yes, as I come to you in November of 2022, it's Turkey Day! Well, yes, it is Thanksgiving Day weekend for my American viewers out there. And although Canadians in the crowd would interject that Thanksgiving happens in October, come on, guys, the Japanese and basically everyone else on the planet would go, what's Thanksgiving? So, <laughs> date schmate, who cares, whatever. Today, sure, today is a good day for giving thanks, regardless of whether or not you're American or whatever nationality it says on your passport or birth certificate. In fact, any day could be a good day for giving thanks. Why not next Thursday, three months from now, January 30th, June 17th, whatever. Let's think about the practice of giving thanks. And we're putting this in an edition of Solutions Watch because, yes, I think this is actually important as a way of improving improving your life and improving the world for the better, which, of course, is the remit of this Solutions Watch series. So in order to elaborate on that and to elaborate on why, why would James be thankful about the horrible state that we find ourselves in, I think we need to do lay a bit of the groundwork for that. So today, let's go through this. First of all, let's define what is gratitude? What is giving thanks? What, what, what is gratefulness? What, what is the meaning of this? Why is it important? And then if it is important, then how do we actually manifest this in our life? How do we cultivate or foster a state of gratitude? So let's start with that definition of gratitude, which I think is important to uh, lay down and has been, obviously, it's a, a phrase that could be defined in many different ways by many different people in different contexts, and it has a slightly different meaning for, I think, each individual. But for the purposes of today, let's take a page from the book literally, of one of the foremost scholars of gratitude in the scientific literature. His name is uh, Dr. Robert Emmons, and he has been researching gratitude for decades now. More on him in a moment. Um, but he tends to define a uh, gratitude in two parts. The first part is that gratitude involves an acknowledgement of the good things in the world. And we could leave it at that, although I think for the purposes of the explanation here in Solutions Watch at the Corbett Report, maybe we could expand that to really include the gratitude is an acknowledgement of the beauty, the, the awe, the wonderful things that exist in this world and in our lives that are worth fighting for. Because it does strike one at times when, when you find yourself immersed deep in the independent media space, and maybe that's all you consume these days, are podcasts and vodcasts of people like myself and others, who are largely concentrating on doom and gloom, horrible topics of oppression and despair and coming tyranny, it does make you wonder at times, why are these people, why do they even care? Why don't they just curl up in a corner and die of self-pity? Well, it's because there are things worth fighting for, and I think if you are here in the Solutions Watch series, it's because you agree with me on that point, but if we don't consciously stop to acknowledge it, we are not in a state of gratitude and we are not um, in a position to be able to benefit from that state of gratitude, more on which in a moment. The second part of this definition is a recognition that there are things outside of ourself 
um, from which these these blessings, these good things flow. And obviously, I mean, on a daily basis, I would hope we are giving thanks, literally saying thank you to people in our lives who do things for us. That is the most obvious way to understand this. But on the broader sense, of course, there's society at writ large to which we can be thankful. But what does that mean? And then well, even larger than that, obviously the spiritually inclined, the religious in nature would um, put the, the focus of attention for gratitude on a spiritual, a divine being, a God. Um, the atheists in the crowd might just confine themselves to the material world and the blessings that flow from that. But at any rate, it is a recognition there are things outside of ourselves to which we owe a, a debt of gratitude. And it is in repaying that debt, paying it back or paying it forward, in which we can start to see some of the broader benefits to this, not just the benefits that we gain ourselves from the state of gratitude, but that will help to improve the world and perhaps have made the world uh, better in various ways throughout the past. So let's start by defining, I think, the picking the lowest hanging fruit on this tree. Are there definable, material, tangible benefits that we can point to to the act of thanksgiving, to being in a state of gratitude? And the answer is a resounding yes. Absolutely there is. So, for example, I'll point you to one study um, that found, for example, that uh, a, a state of gratitude uh, correlates positively to uh, increased subjective well-being. All right, that doesn't sound particularly astonishing. Yes, if you are in a state of gratitude, if you feel thankful for something, you report generally feeling happier, more content, less stress, things of that nature. Now, I, again, that I think feel, feels fairly non-surprising. I think we, we, we understand that. But anyway, the, the study has been done, so I'll link you to that if you're interested in reading more on that. But it isn't simply the psychological well-being that we're talking about here, although there is that. And although some people might be tempted to dismiss that as, oh, that's just happy-clappy-sounding buzzwords and... Uh, nice, warm, and fuzzies, but what does that really mean? Well, I would first, I would f first caution against throwing out those those happy, clappy, warm, and fuzzies because, well, there's nothing particularly wrong with actually feeling subjective uh, increase in subjective well-being. That's that's not a bad thing. And although, yes, simply being in a state of comfort or happiness or contentment probably is not the goal of life. It isn't a bad thing in and of itself anyway and shouldn't be dismissed. Um, but beyond that, are there actual physical and demonstrable, measurable mental health benefits from being in a state of gratitude and thanksgiving? You bet. You bet there are. And for that, we're going to, um, we're going to look at aforementioned gratitude expert, Dr. Robert Emmons, who uh, got into this field perhaps somewhat by happenstance, by mistake even, just by chance. Uh, he was invited to present uh, along with some other researchers at a conference, and his topic, although it was not his specialty, it was not something that he studied, he was chosen to present on gratitude. And he thought, well, I haven't studied it, so I better get up to speed on what, where the literature sits on this. So he, he went and did the deep dive, and thankfully... <laughs> he found that there had only been about three studies up to that point on the subject of gratitude in uh, in the scientific literature. So um, he, he 
took that as a sign. Hey, maybe there's something to be explored here. And he began what has become a decades-long exploration, and he has become one of the foremost experts on the field of gratitude. Um, and now, thankfully, there are many more than three studies uh, to, to which we can point, um, including some that have been done by Emmons himself and uh, some of his colleagues on this subject and the material, tangible health benefits that can come from simply expressing and, and being conscious of and awareness of gratitude and giving thanks. So, Let's turn to a, there are many, many different sources you could turn to online for Dr. Emmons and his work, but let's turn to a lecture that he gave several years ago, just detailing some of the benefits that came from a rather simple exercise that he put uh, study participants through of, again, just simply listing down on an occasional basis things that they were grateful for. So what we found, basically to cut to the chase, is that, and over a thousand people now we've studied in, in, uh, from ages 8 to around 80 in these experiments, three categories of benefits, psychological, physical, and social. Psychologically, people report feeling higher activation, positive emotions. They feel more alert, alive, and awake, for instance, more joy, more pleasure. Physically, and, and those differences are roughly 25% increase over the people keeping the uh, Hassel's group, the comparison group. So all these are relative to the comparison group. In the domain of bodily functioning, we find that people who are keeping gratitude journals feel better about their health. They're bothered less by everyday aches and pains. They actually exercise more. They take better care of their health. Right? And the differences here range from 10 to 30%. In terms of sleep, we find a 10% increase in sleep duration. When people are keeping the gratitude journals, they actually sleep 10% longer. Uh, and they wake up and they feel more refreshed. So it's not they're sleeping longer because they're depressed and they don't want to get up in the morning. They actually feel good when they wake up more refreshed. So the, the restorative act of sleep is more efficient than people when they're keeping gratitude journals. And the third domain is social relationships. And this is one where we're really expected to find something because after all, gratitude is in fact a social emotion. It's been referred to as a relationship strengthening emotion because it involves perceptions of being supported and affirmed by other people. They provide a benefit for us that changes the nature of the relationship now between the individuals. And in fact, when people are keeping these journals, they're more sensitive to situations in which they themselves can become helpful, outgoing, altruistic, pro-social, generous, compassionate, and so on. Less lonely, less isolated. So more positive social behaviors, fewer destructive social behaviors, keeping gratitude journals. So a variety of benefits in a variety of domains by keeping these journals that we've replicated now starting with initially with college students, but then replicating with people with a, a physical, chronic physical disease, with uh, students, uh, young in individuals in the domain of health that talked about that. Oh, there's one study that found that blood pressure was substantially lower when people were keeping a gratitude journal. It was the first clinically significant biological outcome that was examined that is substantially, I think, by 10, 10 to 15% reduced systolic blood pressure when people were keeping gratitude journal and reduced hostility, which you know is a major risk factor for coronary heart disease. Once again, that's Robert Emmons, who, if you are interested in the subject, you will probably come across and you should probably check out, at the very least, uh, his books. For example, Thanks, How the Science of Gratitude Can Make You Happier. 
probably worth your time and attention if you're interested in the subject. Suffice it to say, he has done some research on this, and although that talk was given in 2010, there has been quite a lot more that has been added to the literature on this subject in the past decade plus. For example, well, we could go back to 2008, a 2008 study that showed that gratitude predicted greater subjective sleep quality and sleep duration and less sleep latency and daytime dysfunction. Uh, there's the 2015 study of heart failure patients, which showed that gratitude was associated with better sleep, less depressed mood, less fatigue, and better self-efficacy to maintain cardiac function. Patients expressing more gratitude also had lower levels of inflammatory biomarkers, and efforts to increase gratitude may be a treatment for improving well-being in heart failure patients' lives and be of potential clinical value. Uh, there was a 2016 study that found a relationship between gratitude intervention and reduced blood pressure. There was a 2017 study that found a relationship between gratitude and hemoglobin A1c, which is an indicator of blood sugar control. Um, there are quite a few. This is just a few that I'm listing here, but there are quite a few studies now that do list various health benefits. Some of them strong and some of them weak, um, some of them finding no effect. So take it as the mixed bag that it is. This is not some magical elixir, but there are numerous studies that indicate various benefits that come from this. And you can take, for example, an overview of that type of information um, from an article like, Is Gratitude Good for Your Health? These types of articles come out quite frequently and are fairly easy to find online and do a more or less effective job at summarizing or, or drawing together some of those sources and what they tend to indicate about what the literature is saying regarding the health benefits of gratitude. Um, take Again, take it for what it, that is worth. Um, but if you want to continue down that particular line of thinking, what do I get out of this, James? <laughs> then you can take it to its cynical Machiavellian extreme and figure out that Thanksgiving is actually a wonderful way to manipulate people. Oh, that's right. Uh, this phenomenon has been given a name, and appropriately enough, that name is the Ben Franklin effect. Well, I kind of can't, you know, I, I, I don't love all the so-called so founding fathers equally, but I think maybe I'm sort of a, you might call a Francophile. I, <laughs> I, like, I like Franklin. All right, well, how does he tie into gratitude? All right, so this is uh, a... a principle known as the Ben Franklin effect. Ben Franklin effect. And here's a very simple version of it. You're more likely to do a favor for me if you've already done me a favor in the past. Hmm. It's named after a story Benjamin Franklin tells in his autobiography about how when he was serving as a clerk in the Pennsylvania General Assembly, and this was before the American Revolution, this would be in the colonial administration of the mid-1730s, uh, Franklin tells how one year a new member of the assembly shows up and makes this long speech against Franklin's candidacy for reappointment to the clerkship. So we've got like an anti-Franklinite in the assembly who's up there railing against Franklin. And Franklin evaluates this guy and he judges that actually this guy would make a good ally in the future because uh, he he's likely to have a lot of influence. He's wealthy. He's well-educated and he's got a lot of political talents. So Franklin wants to turn this enemy into a friend, but he also doesn't want to do anything humiliating or pay <laughs> any, quote, pay any servile respect to him, which, you know, I – 
I admire Franklin for admitting that like petty resistance, right? <laughs> yeah. So he comes up with a plan to ingratiate himself to this guy and uh, he writes uh, describing it here, quote, Having heard that he had in his library a certain very scarce and curious book, I wrote a note to him expressing my desire of perusing that book and requesting he would do me the favor of lending it to me for a few days. He sent it immediately, and I returned it in about a week with another note expressing strongly my sense of the favor. When we next met in the house, he spoke to me, which he had never done before, and with great civility, and he ever after manifested a readiness to serve me on all occasions so that we became great friends and our friendship continued to his death. This is another instance of the truth of an old maxim I had learned, which says, he that has once done you a kindness will be more ready to do you another than he whom you yourself have obliged. And it shows how much more profitable it is to prudently remove than to resent, return, and continue inimical proceedings. And that, of course, that that certain very scarce and curious book was, of course, the Necronomicon. (laughs) I think so. Uh, it's it's how Franklin learned the electrostatic secrets of Azazoth. <laughs> so Franklin's observation can be generalized. If you want to make somebody like you, to make them treat you better, get them to do you a small favor. After somebody does you a small favor, their feelings about you become more amicable and they become more likely to treat you better in other ways. <laughs> in Franklin Effect. That was the Stuff to Blow Your Mind podcast, and this being the Corbett Report, let me interject some reality in that Benjamin Franklin love fest. You'll forgive me if I reserve my veneration for Benjamin Franklin, the Grand Master of Masons of Pennsylvania, who published the first Masonic text in America, who was a member of the Hellfire Club, and oh, who, by the way, in 1998, when his old London House House's basement was dug up. They found the bones, 1,200 bones from 15 different bodies, including that of six children. So, hmm, you know, I have, I have my reservations about Ben Franklin, but as I say, perhaps it's appropriately named that such a Machiavellian take on gratitude and giving thanks would be named the Ben Franklin effect. Because the usual takeaway from that is that asking someone for a favor is enough to make them not only feel strangely indebted to you, but to continue to do favors for you. But actually, I think part of that story that I think is operative and is important is that he took the time to thank and acknowledge and thank that person for the loan of that book. And then that they found that uh, relations with that person greatly uh, 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 improved. So I think there is that element of gratitude and thanksgiving that, well, at any rate, it does have an effect in making yourself more likable to other people. Um, But again, I don't think I would hope at any rate that people are not going into Solutions Watch looking, what can I get out of this? And what's, you know, how can I manipulate people with this knowledge? If you are, I I would say you're not my type of person. And I, um, well, you can be in my audience, but you're not welcome here. Um, But but on the broader, in the broader sense, I think there is an important uh, sense in which we can look at what gratitude gives us, not necessarily personally, although as I say, there are numerous material and and measurable benefits to gratitude, but on a more intangible and broader scale. Um, As I have stressed many times in the past and will continue to stress, um, the act of building community is probably the core of 
all of these solutions and their implementation. Because any solution sounds great and may work for you in your particular context and a particular situation on a particular day, but it's hardly going to change the world if that's where it remains. Uh, it has to build up into a and scale up into a community-wide context um, at the very least, because as is becoming more apparent as we plunge further and further into the hellscape of the past few years, yes, community is going to be the thing that in which we either s survive and thrive or we s drown, um, but for lack of community. And I think so building community is an inc incredibly important part of this entire endeavor. Um, if we are to survive what is coming next, it is not going to be through some sort of outside intervention of some person on a white horse, it is going to be through the community that we foster around us. And one incredibly important element of fostering community is a state of gratitude and thanksgiving. That people commit acts of generosity to others without, hopefully, the expectation of reward, but it is the natural gratitude that most properly wired human beings feel towards those who have done them kindness that then fosters uh, a sense of a debt of gratitude, which is then repaid. Again, not necessarily even to the specific person who did that specific thing to you, but to the community generally or to someone else. To the extent that positive actions foster a feeling that we should do positive actions in the world, then obviously I think that is something that is to our to our benefit collectively. And again, if we are to build communities that are going to be resistant to the very dark times that are coming, I think we do need very much that that principle to be in operation. So I think finding, cultivating, and fostering that sense of gratitude, perhaps rediscovering a sense of gratitude that as much as it is given lip service in our society, I think many people will point out that gratitude is not something that most people feel naturally. In fact, some people are even resistant to the idea of gratitude because they feel that it puts them in a vulnerable position. It puts them in debt to others. I'll be beholden to no man, as Anne Spundren would say. So I think we have to overcome that and understand that the state of gratitude is something to be fostered. Um, and perhaps, like any virtue, there can be excess or deficiency, and we should find the happy medium. But at any rate, we do need to at least recognize and acknowledge and and experience that sense of gratitude and understand that we are feeling that sense of gratitude and as a way towards expressing it and paying it back or paying it forward. So what does this actually mean? How do we do this? Well, obviously, there are a number of ways to do this. And this can be something extremely simple, such as just developing the conscious and mindful practice of every time you are saying thanks, even if it's just in a rote way, oh, you, you know, someone hands you something, oh, thank you, to be mindful of the actual act, action of saying thank you and experiencing genuine gratitude for that thing however small it may be, to be mindful of that as you are doing it, I think can be one way as a stepping stone towards cultivating gratitude in a more thoroughgoing way in your life. But if you do want to start going down that road, then making it an actual practice to count your blessings, as it were. And again, obviously, the spiritually inclined will see this as an act of prayer, of thanks. Um, the materialists and atheists in the crowd may simply just 
literally just enumerate their blessings on a, a regular basis. And obviously there are different ways to do this. And I wouldn't say, I wouldn't present to you something like this if it wasn't something that I practiced myself. Over the course of the past year, I have developed the, the habit, the practice of not every night, certainly, but often. Um, at the end of the day, as I'm putting my uh, kids to bed, I will take the time to count our blessings and give thanks to th for things that are absolutely that uh, things that are great and wonderful and things that are obvious that we should be thankful for and even things that it is not at all obvious we should be thankful for so <laughs> for example if i if i uh, uh step on some lego as i'm going to turn off the light um as we're as we're winding down for the night um i i, I will work that into the thanksgiving oh I want to give thanks for the Lego that stubs our toes or hurts our feet. Um, it's it's still, it's something that we enjoy and that we love. And it's just small acts like that, that of course elicit even laughter from my kids. Oh, he's giving thanks for the Lego that hurt his foot or the, the chair that stubbed his toe. But it does help to recontextualize. Even the pain or the bad things that we feel are part of a more intricate web of of grace and wonder that is surrounding us and things that we do, we should be gen genuinely thankful for. And hopefully it positions us in a way that we can better appreciate that. And some small indication of that may be that I do ask, I ask my children, is there anything you'd like to say? Are you thankful for anything? And the other, the other night, my boy came out with, uh, I want to, uh, I'm thankful for all the people out there that help us. And I think that that might have been fostered by the, uh, the Tuttle Twins and the Miraculous Pencil and that sort of idea of all these people working in all their different fields, doing all these different things that feed into this process that create this thing that seems so utterly mundane, like a pencil, but actually it represents this incredibly worldwide intricate web of people doing all these different actions that we'll never meet and we don't know, but they're all helping to make these things possible for us. I, I think that's the sense in which my boy meant that. I'll, I'll explore that with him later and report back. But anyway, I think that is important. And it does, again, I can only speak from my own experience, but I think it really does help to not only recontextualize even the things that may seem like immediate in the short term as negatives, but recontextualize them in the broader context, but also put us in the state of understanding how incredible a life that we lead, the, the life that we lead is. Um, as as bad as things may seem, I have things a million times better than any of my forefathers or, or ancestors who struggled to provide the bare minimum necessities of life for their families. Uh, I, I don't have to go through that level of struggle. So I, am I try to be conscious of that and thankful for it. Um, so simply, again, some act of counting blessings um, can be helpful in that and giving a, a thanks or a prayer or whatever way that you you um, can express that. Um, it, that could be more formalized, for example, in the idea of a gratitude journal. And there are many, again, many ways to do this. And obviously you could literally just write down once a week, even just a few things that you are thankful for. It doesn't have to be some elaborate practice. There can be more elaborate practices. There are gratitude journals that are actually published that have different exercises and things and ask questions to prompt you along certain ways. There's something called thanks4.org, T-H-N-X-4, number4.org, um, which acts as a gratitude 
nudge, uh, they even use the word nudge, uh, nudges you to, uh, to say thanks and add things to your gratitude journal and what have you. So there are different ways to do that if you need prompts, but again, it can be a very simple practice. Um, perhaps a more interesting experiment would be the uh, gratitude letter. And uh, you can, again, there are many different ways of doing this, but one example um, uh, that I'll, I'll link in the show notes is a, uh, a very simple set of instructions about how to do a gratitude letter. Um, basically, you're going to thank someone in your life for something that they have done for you. So it says, call to mind someone who did something for you for which you are extremely grateful, but to whom you never expressed your deep gratitude. This could be a relative, friend, teacher, or colleague. Try to pick someone who is still alive and could meet you face-to-face in the next week. It may be most helpful to select a person or act that you haven't thought about for a while, something that isn't always on your mind. Now write a letter to one of these people, guided by the following steps. Write as though you're addressing the person directly, dear so-and-so. Don't worry about grammar or spelling. Describe in specific terms what this person did, why you are grateful to this person, and how this person's behavior affected your life. Try to be as concrete as possible. Describe what you are doing in your life now and how you often remember their efforts. Try to keep your letter to roughly one page, around 300 words. Next, you should try, if at all possible, to deliver your letter in person following these steps. Plan a visit with the recipient. When you meet, let the person know that you're grateful to them and would like to read a letter expressing your gratitude. Take your time reading the letter. After you've read the letter, be receptive to the reaction and discuss their fe- your feelings together. And remember to give the letter to the person when you leave. So, Again, uh, it seems like a simple exercise, but it can be quite transformative. And in fact, there, as part of the studies that have gone on, there have been studies about um, reactions, uh, reject, using reject, uh, not rejection letters, gratitude letters, um, but also uh, uh, experiencing the reaction of that and noting that when people give letters of gratitude, they often vastly underestimate how how they will be received and how um, how strongly they will be. Uh, received by the people who receive those things. So it's uh, it can be quite a transformative process. Now, as always, again, this is Solutions Watch and absolutely everything that I talk about may or may not be for you and it may or may not work in certain contexts and in certain ways and whatever works for you is obviously going to be what you should be doing. So, and that is different for every person. So for example, uh, research by Sonia Lubomirsky at UC Riverside has shown that people... On average, people who count, counted their blessings once a week reported greater levels of happiness than people who reported their blessing or counted their blessings three times a week. So, again, maybe doing it too often uh, trivializes it or makes it routine or uh, dilutes the effect. So, maybe finding the right balance of how often you should be doing this and in what context and what form, etc. Again, your mileage may vary. And I'm just putting the uh, the ideas and the research out there, and it's up to you how you incorporate this into your life. But one thing that I would like to sort of bring this back towards is the, the fact that it is it can be quite easy to be grateful for and thankful for and to simply list the things in your life that are good, that make you feel good, that are great, that you that are the obvious blessings. Or, again, even on the trivial side of things, when someone does something nice for you, it's easy to say thank you. And if we certainly, if we're not being mindful of that practice, then it just becomes words and it means nothing. Not to us, not to the other person. But when in embedded in an actual 
practice that we're cultivating and fostering and being mindful of, oh, this is a moment of me to express appreciation for something, it can be more meaningful. But as I say, it's rather easy when something good happens, thank you, you know, yay. And that's good. But how about being thankful and being grateful, even in times of adversity, even in the face of bad things that are happening? Let's go back to what I opened with today. Um, Things are terrible. You know that. You're here in the Corbett Report. You know all about these horrible things that are happening, the growing biosecurity tyranny, the global vaccine passports that are going to tie into digital IDs that'll be used to control your movements in the technocratic control grid that's eventually going to start engineering you down to the genome, DNA, gene editing technology, and all of these horrible things that the technocrats trying to control your life. But I am thankful. Why? Why on earth would I be thankful for this? I am thankful. I am mindful of the fact, and I I sometimes have to remind myself of this fact, but it's something worth thinking about. We are living in truly incredible, world-shaking, revolutionary times. Incredible things are happening in our lifetime that most people throughout most of human history would never have even conceived of happening. And yes, some of them can be horrible and terrible and frightening, but we are here as actors in history, actually affecting the course of human events and the way the globe is going. Truly, we are in the most exciting times ever, and we have the ability to influence the course of that history. It is not a written book, and uh, we... We are not simply just pawns in someone else's game. No, I don't know about you, but I know about me. And I know I can choose certain things in my life and I can direct them towards certain things. It is an exciting, incredible time. And once again, I'm reminded of the incredible and obvious blessings uh, that I have in my life of being able to do what I do, to do this for a living. Absolutely incredible, Uh, especially at this time when I was just reflecting the other day. For a decade, more than a decade ago, I was consciously going into this, realizing we are in this tiny sliver of a window of opportunity that has truly never existed in human civilization before for someone like myself, some average Joe Schmo sitting in his living room in Japan on a clunky old laptop with a $20 microphone, suddenly finding a voice and reaching tens, hundreds of thousands of people around the world and all of these incredible events happening and all of these connections I I now am connected to and know more people around the world than I ever could have dreamed about um, back back when I was a high school student or what have you. It's it's truly incredible, um, the things that are happening and the things that we've lived through. So I am I am very grateful for that. And and again, it is easy, and it is easy, but also important for me to be grateful to those who have made this possible. So of course, I I often express, and but maybe not often enough, my sincere, true gratitude to the people who make this possible for me, at any rate, if the Corbett Report would not exist without the people out there who support it, not only monetarily, of course, monetarily, I could not do this for a living without the support, the monetary support of people out there, but simply the encouragement and the spreading of the information to other people. That is truly amazing. And then when I get the feedback of people who say their lives have been changed by what I've done and they've completely changed their lives and 
It's absolutely overwhelming, absolutely incredible. But as I say, maybe it's easy to be grateful for those obvious blessings, but I am also even grateful for the haters. Yes, I am. Thank you for the thumbs down. Thank you for, you shill, I knew you were wrong. Uh, you're horrible. Uh, I am honestly thankful for that because I see it in a wider picture of, I think there is a society-wide immune system that whenever some idea gains too much popularity or too many people are jumping on a specific bandwagon, there will always be those people who hang back and, and naysay and, and critique and pick doubts and no, that's wrong. And sometimes those critiques are well-grounded, sometimes they're not. James, I always knew you were a shill. I can't believe you said that thing. Well, okay. But honestly, the, the act of critiquing and nitpicking and being on being against whatever other people are for, I'm glad that societal immune system exists because I think that is an important part of the human spirit that ultimately means we will not, there will never be that one Pied Piper event that leads everyone off the cliff. There will always be those people holding back and and staying on the fringes. And I think that's important. So I see even the haters of myself who are wrong. I'm not a show. But at any rate, I see the sort of grander societal nature of the way this operates and uh, how people can um, fill, fulfill certain roles that they don't even understand that they're fulfilling. There's a much, 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 much bigger picture. And if we do not take the time to cultivate and foster that sense of gratitude for things, I'm not sure, I'm not convinced we'll ever see that and be and understand even the horrible things that happen in our life can actually be good things on a, on a bigger scale. And if we are never thinking outside of ourselves and giving thanks for the things that, uh, that we have, I'm not sure we'll see that. So you've heard it before, but I'll say it again when you experience a great loss or something bad in your life, don't be sad that it's over. Be grateful that it happened. Things along those natures. Uh, again, they, they become trivialized and become hallmark greeting card type phrases, but they have real meaning. Um, so we can choose to look at the, the pain and the suffering and the tyranny and the horrible things and despair and, oh no, rip your hair out if you happen to have hair and uh, be in self-pity about it. Or we can look at the world and see the wonder and the beauty and the bigger picture of incredible things and embrace that and foster that and direct ourselves towards that. And that is truly the spirit of Solutions Watch. Contentment and resentment are choices that we make. Choose contentment. And obviously there are some asterisks that go along with that and what the real goal is here. But I think I've said enough for today. At any rate, there will be some links in the show notes if you want to start pursuing this topic more on your own time. But today I will leave you not with the words of James Corbett, with, with the words of some other thinkers who have articulated this probably better than I in various ways. First, Ben Stein, why not? With a, uh, a pithy quote that is perhaps meaningful. Uh, he said um, once when asked, uh, what, you know, uh, how do I want to get rich? How do I get rich? And uh, ben Stein reportedly responded, I cannot tell you anything that in a few minutes will tell you how to be rich, but I can tell you how to feel rich, which is far better, let me tell you firsthand, than being rich. Be grateful. It is the only totally reliable get-rich-quick scheme. Perhaps more, uh, with more gravitas, um, Albert Schweitzer uh, said, the greatest thing is to give thanks 
for everything. He who has learned this knows what it means to live. He has penetrated the whole mystery of life, giving thanks for everything. And we'll end with a quote from Epicurus. Do not spoil what you have by desiring what you have not. Remember that what you now have was once among the things you only hoped for. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. James Corbett, CorbettReport.com.